welcome to the first episode of Eurovangelists. A show with the mission to prove that the Eurovision Song Contest isn't just another song contest. And it isn't just for Europeans. It's for the world. I'm the newbie Eurovangelist, Jeremy Bent. You may know me as Jonathan Keane on Stephen Colbert's Tuning Out the News on Comedy Central or as C53 on Mission to Zix from right here on Max Fun. And I have a small but growing collection of Eurovision scarves. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. I'm Oscar Montoya. I'm an actor, dancer, force of nature, and an unapologetic Lorene Stan. Fight me! No I, no, I won't. I play a photographer on Stars Minx and on Instagram in real life. And I'm Dimitri Pompey, a television writer a former DC lobbyist and a student of Eurovision history. If I can't convince you to love Eurovision, then I don't think we can be friends. He's actually not joking about that. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that's the gospel truth. So on today's show, we'll tell you everything you need to know to enjoy Eurovision. And why this song contest is humanity's best hope for world peace. But first, what, what is it? What is Eurovision? That's a great question. I don't know. My go-to explanation is that it's the olympics with pop music you've got co- multiple countries competing they're sending their best usually not <laughs> always in practice <laughs> but we're competing on an even ground to see like this year who's got the best pop single i always think about it as the super bowl mm. of pop music because the super bowl is inherently an american thing yeah that's you go true. to europe and you talk about the super bowl they're like oh what yeah, can, uh, right you guys like the ads on it yeah, more than the yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah sometimes you're looking for your friends in these commercials okay <laughs> um but to me it's like the super because it is it has a rabid fan base it like, sure does there are people who are wearing the gear very much like how we're wearing we're the actually gear, wearing the gear yeah. right now you know and pregame, and there's parties. It's a whole social aspect of it. I also think to me, like, because I'm a gamer, it feels like Street Fighter with music. Dog. You know? Oh, I, yeah. I had wow. no idea. You now... choose your fighter. Oh, that's a good And that's then good. you want them to win the tournament. You choose you know? your fighter from uh, a bunch of countries from around the world. That's right. Many times, largely just based on this guy looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> this guy looks cool. Oh, the music video is kind of fun. Oh, they have a nice little thing. Yeah. And it's it's Street Fighter with all the DLC. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've sure. unlocked all, you know, 32, 40, you know, depending on uh, what year you're in. And yeah, you just see how well you do in the competition. You it's know, very fun. Like you're saying, Oscar, to go back to the Super Bowl thing, it is also like if you grow up in Europe every year, yes. it's like a thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to a friend of mine who lives here in LA, but is originally from Ireland. I told him I was doing this podcast, and he was like, oh, I watched it every year growing yep. up. Because it's just, it's just like what you do. Like, you watch the Super Bowl. You watch Eurovision. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just part of the fabric of the culture. culture. Yeah. And the, and the fervor is there, too. Like, yeah. when your team makes it to the Super Bowl, you oh, are, big deal. You are oh, on big cloud deal. nine. When your country makes it to the final of Eurovision, you are ready to go to war for your Absolutely. nation. It's good patriotism. It's patriotism <laughs> used the right way. Right. And those also like the Super Bowl, there's stats, there's favorites, there's, you know, upsets. People track the history of it. It's like, right. who's won the most? Who's like exactly. their heroes and villains? Yeah. yeah. So-and-so comes back. So-and-so wins again. It's got that same drama that you see mm-hmm. in a Super Bowl as well. Right. So if someone's listening and wondering, self, am I a Eurovision girly? Dimitri, what would you say? What kind of person watches Eurovision? It's a person who appreciates fun, mm-hmm. camp, mm-hmm. spectacle, mm-hmm. pomp circumstance and likes music <laughs> yeah it's a it's the kind of person you want to hang out with on Absolutely. a constant basis yeah i i think all of that is true because eurovision has all of those things it's got fun it's got camp yeah it's got pomp and circumstance right. if you're listening to this and and thinking i hate pomp and circumstance this isn't for this you this isn't for I'm you sorry but it's also got a lot of heart it does. It you, does. You were literally watching. Look at the icons. I, they're, they, all hearts. they're all hearts. They're, the logo for Eurovision is a giant heart. You know, a lot of the participants in Eurovision are young musicians, and this is kind of their first experience being exposed to a huge That's audience. Right. And I mean, like, what what bigger audience could there be than continental Europe? Absolutely. And the rest of the world and, now. And especially with modern technology allowing you to watch both the Eurovision's happening this year, but also Eurovision's past. Mm-hmm. Your exposure is now worldwide. Thank you, Internet. It's the same kind of person who, like, gets really invested at the movie theater. Like, the kind of person who can see the beauty in storytelling. That's the kind of person who would really Nicole love Kidman. this contest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Although, let's be honest, Nicole Kidman probably is into Eurovision because now Australia is part That's of the true. That's true. So, well, That's very we'll, true. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, 
Now, I can imagine people wondering, what gives you three the right to song-splain about Eurovision? Um, Jeremy, first of all, how dare you? Yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, but second of all, the beauty of the contest is that it's for everybody. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, you'll hear how each of us discovered the contest ourselves. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Eurovangelists. So one thing that's true for each of us is that we love turning people into Eurovision fans. But as Americans, we didn't grow up watching it. So we each had to kind of discover it in our own different ways. So we thought it might be fun to tell you how each of us got into Eurovision. Uh, I, I can start. I would say I have the least Eurovision knowledge of the three of us, but I think for uh, new fans to Eurovision, I might help you in a little bit. I'll be the one to ask the question you're doing. I don't know what they're talking about when they talk about that. That's <laughs> that's going to be me for probably a lot of this podcast, <laughs> let's be honest. And how did I get into Eurovision? Well, Dimitri, to my left here, is a huge Eurovision fan. And when we both lived here in Los Angeles a couple of years ago, he's like, hey, do you want to come over to my house and watch Eurovision? And I was like, yeah, I, I guess so. How long is it? And he's like, four hours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't gulp. sell it well. Yeah. And I was like, okay. He's like, I will order pizza. And I said, okay, I will be there. Got him with pizza. Nice strategy, Dimitri. Yeah, That's it's a get him, classic gambit. Like, it works on me 100 times out of 100. Um, <laughs> so I went over to his house. We watched the entirety of the 2022 Eurovision Song Contest. I don't have as many Eurovisions to compare it to, but it felt like this is good. A lot of good songs. A lot of fun acts, a very exciting conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, my wife and I, I'm wearing the France uh, Eurovision scarf in her honor because she roots unabashedly for France in every single year. <laughs> it is absolutely true. Every time a song has even a little French in it, she's like, I think this is this the is best it. song. This was the best song of the contest. She's a Francophile. She is a Francophile. Ah. So we went over there together, and by the end of it, we were like, we will do this every year for the rest of our lives. <laughs> it was so fun. I guess I was expecting sort of an American Idol, and it's just bigger and better. You got countries from all over the world, and they're competing in, a, in an even field of battle that is decided by the people. It's very democratic in that way. And yeah, I, I just was instantly transfixed by Eurovision. I was like, this is amazing. And like, I studied abroad in London, and they were like, oh yeah, Eurovision. And I was like, okay. Didn't get into it. Mm. Had to come back to America to get into Eurovision. So I, I wasn't in London with you. That's the problem. That's <laughs> true. I was also there in the fall. So like Eurovision fever wasn't. Off season. Maybe if I was there in the mm. spring, I would have gotten into it. For sure. But Oscar, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you got into Eurovision? Well, hello, everyone. My name is Oscar. And uh, I found Eurovision a bit late in the year 2020 when the Eurovision Song Contest was unfortunately canceled thanks to a little thing called Corona virus 19 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, ironic um, oscar that you chose a year with no eurovision that's right to fill it with europe yes because i read an article saying that for the first time ever uh the eurovision song contest was canceled and i was like what is that even and i saw a video with all of the songs that would have been running because at the time they already picked their national entries and a little artist named Daddy Freyer from Iceland. That's right. I can't wait to know What do you think about things believing? I will always be there so You can tell me anything and I'll listen There were other songs that I was so obsessed with that i was like wait you're telling me that all of these songs get together for a three-night event and sort of compete and then the audience and juries people who know about music get to vote for the best song 
I was hooked. I was hooked. And then my pandemic hobby was truly watching every single Eurovision Song Contest since its inception in 1956. And I have been hooked ever since. It's it's just become my passion. And I know so much about it. And it's truly some like there's no greater joy. And Dimitri, you can definitely vouch for this. There's no greater joy in the universe than introducing other people to the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, yes, but, but Dimitri, yeah, Dimitri you tell gotta... us your story. Because you are, I think, of the three of us, the expert. Uh, maybe, expert. yeah. You know? But uh, I also think you have the most interesting how you got into Eurovision <laughs> story. <laughs> I honestly don't think it's that, but I'll... I, I, uh, you're I, wrong. It's yeah, true. let us it's decide. Yeah. yeah. So I have been a fan of the contest for 20 years now. Um, I remember oh, very wow. specifically how I found it. I was 14 years old. And I had done something. I, I was in trouble with my parents for some reason that I cannot remember. And I was grounded. And they took away my computer. They took away my video games. They took away my TV. They took away everything. Harsh. Everything. Harsh. They fed me gruel. And, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. The only thing they left me with was a radio. Because they didn't know I was going to listen to it. The fools. <laughs> <laughs> if only they knew. If only they knew. So I was just bored out of my mind. I was like, okay, let me turn on the radio, I guess. This was also the same weekend I found NPR because it was a Saturday. Ah. I remember it was a Saturday, and I tuned into NPR, and we had car talk. Wait, we don't tell me. And This American Life. And I was like, this is the greatest stuff I've ever heard in my life. I sat listening to that radio for hours. Early 2000s NPR. <laughs> a lot of bangers. Can't yeah. be beat. Can't really? be beat. So... NPR transitions to the BBC at night. That's true. And I was, you know, I was just, I, I had to hear it all. I had never even heard the BBC before. So I was like, this is amazing. It's British people covering the news. And I was very simple. You know, I was very, <laughs> I was a very sheltered child. And right around the time uh, I, I was listening to this, there was a big controversy happening throughout the whole of Europe because for the first time in Eurovision history, the United Kingdom had scored zero oh, points. Gasp. Oh my god. Zero gosh. points. That was the iconic year. Was that Gemini? Yeah, it was Gemini. You know the song. Oh, What's the song? Say it. Oh my gosh. Uh Cry Baby? Yeah, that's right. Oh. Cry Cry Baby. Now for my newbies <laughs> to Eurovision, scoring zero points in the Eurovision final is about as embarrassing as it gets for a country. It's it's the worst you could possibly, I mean, unsurprisingly, zero points is the worst you could possibly perform. But that means no country thought your song was any good and no people thought your song was any good, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is a rough referendum like on the, your song. The scoring system is designed in a way to make it nearly impossible to get a zero. Right. And yet, and yet the UK found a way. It. And <laughs> the big deal that year was like, since they'd never done it, and you, you, the UK has a long story tradition in Very Eurovision. Very successful track record. And yep. it got to the point where MPs in the House of Commons. Members House, of Parliament. <laughs> this is also a European uh, politics con. You're going to sure. learn a lot here. You're you're gonna, yeah, it's not just, you're not just learning about Eurovision. <laughs> There's a lot going on in Europe, which you may not have heard about. Members of parliament were mm. weighing in on the saying, oh, that's an anti-UK sentiment is playing out all over. Yes. One MP even suggested that they scored a zero in Eurovision. No one voted for them because the UK was supporting the United States in the Iraq war. That's right. Which is, let's be honest, a reach. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty bold statement to, that, to make To those allegations, it. I will say... Have you heard the song? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's bad. It's, yeah. The song is dreadful. The backlash is even more embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And someone, I don't remember what country it was, but someone from one of the participation nations just threw a Molotov cocktail into a beehive and said, well, it's not not because of a rock. <laughs> oh. And just let it rip. Spicy. And Drama. Was, and this was the top story of the BBC yeah. wow. on this specific weekend in May. And I was like, I don't <laughs> not, know. Not, of course, the Iraq war. No, no, no. <laughs> the Iraq war itself. We, look, we already did it. We did mission accomplished by then. You yeah, know, sure. Yeah, the, we, the war was over. We did it. But yeah. I couldn't get enough. I was like, what is driving all of this consternation? So I hopped on my LimeWire account. Wow. <laughs> and I Ooh. downloaded the Eurovision Song Contest. For the young people listening to this podcast, LimeWire was a great way to get uh, free music and also ruin your computer with viruses. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Eurovision 2003. And I loved every second mm -hmm. of it. I could not get enough. It was weird and loud and colorful and beautiful. And they talked about the history of the contest during the Interval Act, I believe. And it was just, I was hooked. I haven't missed one since. 
Dimitri, I think that is such an interesting story of, how you, of like a punishment led to you becoming like one of America's biggest Eurovision Truly. Thank you so much. I think that is so weird and cool. Hey, uh, I tell my mom, because I was in high school when I discovered Eurovision, so I would listen to a lot of Eurovision, and she hated every second of it. Okay, perfect. Was, I was like, you did this to yourself. <laughs> I would have never found this if you just let me get away with whatever I did. Your punishment has borne ill fruits, mother. <laughs> Honestly, like to be a little sappy for a minute, like a contest that's been going you. on for, you know, I'm crying as we speak. Uh, <laughs> it's been going on for si 67 years. It's seen a lot of things. Like there are some bad things going down when Eurovision was in town because European history is fraught with chaos. Mm. Even that post-war era where we thought we were really going to end all those wars didn't really do it. But the one constant that, like, has always been there is that you will watch the contest. You will see some crazy acts. You'll see some beautiful art. And there are these real moments of humanity that make me go, I honestly believe perhaps world peace is possible. You know, maybe we can Aww, do this thing. Dimitri, that's so sweet. Long story short, Eurovision is going to lead to world peace if we get enough people into that's Eurovision. True. This that's is how we true. do it. Yeah. So, this is the mission, World Peace Through Song. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, Professor Dimitri will have a brief history of the song contest, and we'll walk you through the ins and outs of how the contest works, how to vote, how acts qualify, in short, everything you need to know to start watching and enjoying the contest yourself. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And together we are The Flophouse, a long-running podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And because we're so long-running, maybe you haven't given us a chance. I get it, but you don't actually have to know anything about previous episodes to enjoy us, and I promise you that if you find our voices irritating, we grow endearing over time. Perhaps you listened to one of our old episodes and decided that we were dumb and immature. Well, we've been doing this a while now. We have become smarter and more mature, and generally nicer to Dan. But we are only human, so no promises. Find the Flophouse on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Eurovangelists, everyone. Now, we promised you a quick look at the history of the Eurovision Song Contest, and I don't know that there's anyone more qualified to do that, at least in this studio, than our own Dimitri Pompey. Classes in session. <laughs> Professor Dimitri. For Professor Dimitri Pompey's History of Eurovision you know, class. I, I don't even feel like I'm honored to say that. There is a man named Dr. Paul Jordan who wrote his doctorate thesis about the Eurovision Song Ooh. Contest. He is actually called Dr. Eurovision. I bow before you. I am just a humble... You're just, you're just Professor Eurovision. I'm just yeah. Professor. The fact that you know that makes you Professor Eurovision. <laughs> That's right. So I think you're still qualified. Adjunct Professor. <laughs> <laughs> Visiting Professor of Eurovision. That's right. But basically, Yeah, how did we end up with this? So basically, the year is 1956. Ooh, okay. And and the European Broadcasting Union. The EBU. Who, the EBU. They, <laughs> they run this thing. And basically, Eurovision was supposed to be their test of a live simulcast that could go across Europe at the same time in every nation. Oh, big ask like, for like, 1950s. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the EBU is, you know, we want to create content that can go Europe-wide that everyone can see on their public broadcaster. Like, this is how Europe communicates with each other. What a noble goal. Pan-European communication. Can, and you, you might imagine there was this little dust-up right before 1956, a couple mm, years ago. What could it have been? Yeah, I what don't was know. It? You know, that, something that they understood, perhaps if we were more... Uh, uh, cordial with each other. Mm. We could avoid that whole thing again. Yeah, oh, I see, I see. that's a good concept. So they actually came up with the idea. It was based on several con song contests that ever nations had had, but it was most specifically based on the, and people, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not the greatest at foreign languages. I'm so sorry in advance. We're American. We refuse to apologize for <laughs> mispronouncing things. But, and we will. And, and we will mispronounce oh, we things. Will. And we will do so with gusto. <laughs> yeah. We will try to get it right. But but it was based off of Italy's Sanremo song contest, mm, San a contest Remo. that had been going around for a while at that point. A bunch of Italian artists would come together. They'd perform for the people and people would vote on their favorite song. That's right. And basically the idea was, what if we did that with a bunch of nations in Europe? What if a bunch of us sent a song that would compete against other songs from other nations, and we as a people picked our favorite one? We as a collective as a European collective. people. So the first Eurovision happens in 1956. There are seven nations competing, and each nation sends two songs. So there are 14 songs in total. Okay, all right, not and bad. I'm going to try and go off the top of my head wow, here. I'm all right. so Whoa. sorry. Challenge round. Here we go. Challenge round. Here we first, go. The first seven nations were Switzerland, Italy, France, 
Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Okay, Luxembourg. Yeah. <laughs> Real yeah. X Factor so, there. Really, that those are the first seven who sent in. Uh, they sent two songs each. And the winner, in a closed-door session that no one knows the result of, oh, wow. the winner was Switzerland, Lis Asia, with a song called Refrain. Mm. Oh, you did the English for that. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's fair. Which translates to chorus. Hey, there we go. And we got everyone... real creative. <laughs> it's yeah. the first year. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> so they watch this thing, and it does the exact thing they want to do. Everyone loves it. Terrific. Like, this thing rips. Let's do it again. And they've done it again, over and over again, with various changes and improvements and what's the opposite of improvement sometimes? <laughs> but uh, needs for improvement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, each year it's gotten bigger, better, and closer to my heart. Okay, well, so speaking of it getting bigger and better and changes happening, so there were seven countries in the first Eurovision. How many countries are in Eurovision now? Now, that's a great question because it costs a lot of money to participate. Checks out. If you are a member of the European Broadcasting Union, you are invited to participate. <laughs> the same way you are invited to give money to your old college. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and some, some students, like me in my old college, refuse to even give them a dime. Yeah, same. <laughs> they got quite a bit of me when I was there. <laughs> so I believe the highest number of participants in one year, I want to say it was 43. But that happened, a few. that happened a couple of years back. Yes. But usually you're expecting anywhere from 36 to 40. Okay. And now, because there are so many countries competing in the Eurovision Song Contest, what used to be a one-night event has been broken down into a three-night event. Right. That's right. They, they had to introduce the idea of a semifinal in 2004 because there were so many nations competing, it couldn't be done. Yeah, nobody wants to watch like 40-something songs in a row. That's a lot. I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but for people who aren't fully on the Eurovision train yet, now how does it work? It's a three-night event. There's a semifinal where half the nations compete. Mm -hmm. There's another semifinal where the other half compete. And the top 10 of each of those semifinals goes on to the final, except... There are people who don't have to compete in the final. Now, wait a minute. Five. So the top 10 from each night, that's 20. The previous year's winner gets a free pass. That's 21. But there's 26 songs in the final. Absolutely. Where do we get these last five? Well, the last five are the nations that contribute the most financially to the Europe the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, it's always about money. Mm -hmm. they, they are, because they it's an expensive contest, and because they contribute so much, they are allowed to skip the semis and go straight to the final. Additionally, if you win the year before, you also are Guaranteed. granted a direct spot in Guaranteed the final. Guaranteed entry. That makes sense Because that would me. be... Whack. Could you imagine <laughs> so being the host country and not making it to the finals? Yeah, that like, would be. Oh, that, well, well okay. because that's the other piece. If you win the Eurovision Song Contest, the following year's Eurovision Song Contest will be in your country. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the idea that you'd be like, we've got Eurovision. We're not competing this year. Our song will be good. <laughs> yeah, that's sorry, guys. Uh, sorry, we tried, everyone. So. Now, 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 Jeremy, as the, as the newest member of the Eurovision family yes. here, can you name? Oh, can the, I name the big can five? You name the big wow. Five? Okay, Ooh, I'm gonna. I, I know you can. Do I know it. a couple this of time. these. I know a couple of these. Uh, UK. That's right. Is part of the big five. France is part of the big Correct. five. Mm -hmm. Italy. Correct. Okay. Germany. Correct. Okay. One more man. Oh boy. Uh, oh, Oscar's trying to help me. Spain. Spain. Yeah. There you go. Good job, buddy. Okay. I I had four or five pretty confident that there. Was great. I think without the Oscar assist, I might have blown. You know, you are a little bit long. Well, these countries are kind of cheating to get in. But when you see Eurovision now, you're like, money is being spent yes. on yes. this competition, and the Big Five contributes a lot, so that not only all of Europe can see it, but now. All of the world can Absolutely. see Eurovision. And I would also throw in that being a part of the Big Five and jumping directly to the final does not have a statistically significant <laughs> yeah, impact it, it has on a, your chances UK. of victory. <laughs> yeah. UK. has not improved the chances of many of the Big Five. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, although they usually field interesting songs. There's something to talk about with the yeah, Big Five. Yeah, exactly, Absolutely. exactly. Absolutely. But you know, it comes with like a uh, benefit because you make it to the finals immediately, but then you're not brushing out the stuff that you need to work out in the semifinals, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Because if you make it to the finals, you can like tweak your- You can tweak your performance a little bit. Performance a little and bit. this is actually a great point. So the big five countries, I just listed them, right? UK, Italy, France, Spain, Germany. Those countries go to the final every year. Yes. 
are any of those countries the countries that have won Eurovision the most? No, no, actually. <laughs> there are some who've won it a lot. A lot. Yes. But not, but none, not of those are, none of those are the top winners. Uh, That's right, right. right now, we live in a great, very interesting time for the contest. Yes. Okay. Because after a long drought, we have a tie. <gasps> there are two countries that have won Eurovision seven times. Seven times. Seven is a lucky number. Yeah, that's right. Ireland dominated the contest for a very long time. In the 90s? Time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, yes. part of why I mentioned my friend from Ireland who said he watched it every year is like, this was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Ireland was punching heat, just throwing oh fastballs every yep. year. Yes, they, were, they, they won 1970, 1980, 1987. 1992, 1993, 1994, oh. and 1996. For those paying attention, they won four times in three in a row. And three in a row yes. in a five-year period? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Right. That's right. They won four four out of the five in that stretch. Four out of the yeah. five and three of them consecutively, which I don't think any other country has done. No, no. one has done three consecutively. That's wild. That's pretty and incredible. The other country to tie is... The pop powerhouse country of Sweden. I was going to say, uh, a country that has not an insignificant impact on our own pop music, Mm -hmm. the country of Sweden. Yeah, there are actually a lot of Swedish songwriters working for other nations in Eurovision. (laughs) So Sweden has won the contest seven times as well. As of last year. Last year, they have won, uh, again, off the top of my head, uh, 1974, 1984. 1991, Two two time winners. There's, there's two two time winners. That's right. And what makes this such a significant achievement is that so many winners of the past who have performed and won with amazing songs have tried to win again and they just couldn't, couldn't do, it. do it. It's very difficult to win Eurovision one time. Like yeah. a lot of it, things it, have to come together for you to even get to the final. And then absolutely. in the final to come in first is like, it's very difficult. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe this is where we should talk about national finals because like qualification okay. Okay. Yeah. In, in and of itself, to even get to the point this, where you this can is win actually twice. An, extra po- an excellent point. And we can come back to our two-time winners yes. when we go through that. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I think the easiest way to address this is how does a country, like how does a song from your country get into Eurovision? That's a great how does way. that work? Well, let's say you are a member of the EBU. You've got the cash. You got okay. the scratch. Your legislature has line-itemed a Eurovision okay. budget. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've decided we're going to spend this much on our Eurovision song so we can bring it to Eurovision. How do you get in? There are a couple ways that an artist can make it to Eurovision. Okay. The way that I prefer, the one that the people prefer, <laughs> democracy prefers, is a national final song contest. That this to me makes the most sense where countries like hold their own Eurovision. A mini Eurovision. A mini yeah. like a countrywide Eurovision. It's like in Glee, regionals. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You go to regionals and yeah. then you can go to sectionals. Uh, yeah, right? absolutely. It's regionals. Right. That's a, Oscar, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's national finals or what? <laughs> or you submit your song to your national uh, broadcaster and an internal selection happens behind closed doors. And they say, we like this song the best. You're going. Here's a, here's a couple examples. Okay, yeah. Here's a couple examples. The, Sweden, Using the most recent the most, Eurovision. Re, the most okay. recent Eurovision, 2023. Okay. Sweden has one of the national finals that is the absolute best. It is called Melody Festivalen. It is the most viewed thing in Sweden every single year. This makes sense because Sweden is a country that is very good at pop music. They make a lot of pop music that is popular yeah, worldwide. They, inv- they invented music. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is a like there are people who don't even watch Eurovision. Like I don't miss Melfest, Eurovision, whatever. I don't miss Melfest. I'm here for the Melfest. They have several heats. This year they had four heats. They take a, s- a selection of eight artists. And like, hey, you're in Heat 1, you eight compete against each other, and the top two from Heat 1 move on to the final. Okay, to a final Heat. Exactly. Then, okay, wow. So they have, it's like a bracket sort a, of A bracket thing. thing. This, is, this is very similar to the Olympics, where runners might run, you know, you got eight runners, and then the top two move, and then eventually you get the final pack. Absolutely. And, and then you know, that's when you can actually get the medal. It, it's, ah. it's not dissimilar to the playoffs in any given sure. sport. Yeah. So these sports. these people. <laughs> well, you're a big sports guy, Oscar. I love sports. Name your favorite sports. D- doozy. 
You know, I a good Doozy. Saturday afternoon watching Doozy games. <laughs> Sorry, Doozy bouts, right? Yes. Yeah, show respect to the yeah, sport. I'm, I'm just not, you know, I didn't grow up with it. So. so what had happened this year, there were a bunch of Swedish artists who were competing in heats. And in the final heat, because they knew that's the one people wanted to watch the most, the one before the actual, like, grand final contest, yep. Laureen was the overall winner of her heat. And it was not even close. Wow. She absolutely wow. dominated her heat. Now, I, I don't know Eurovision from anything. Who is Laureen? Laureen <laughs> is a lodestar in the Eurovision community. She won the 2012 Eurovision contest okay. with one of the community's most beloved songs. Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah! Ooh, 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 ooh. As you can tell by Oscar's enthusiasm. And your relative coolness <laughs> about it. Some people have different thoughts on Euphoria. Ooh, okay. It's <laughs> chilly. Oh, yeah. ooh, it's a front. Some, uh, pe- some people up. are very into Euphoria, and yeah. some people respect Lorena as an artist and humanitarian okay. and think Euphoria is not a great song. Okay. But suffice to say, Lorene is very popular. And when she decided to come back to Melfest, that's what we call Melody Festival, I'm in the community. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when she decided, I'm coming. And you can too. And you can, you're one of <laughs> you're us. You're in the now. community. You're one of us. You now. call it Melfest. Never the full name anymore. That's right. Lorene announces she's coming back. She's like, I want to give Eurovision another try. And she wins her heat because her song is once again almost universally beloved in Sweden. Tattoo! And in the final of Melfest, again, it wasn't even close. She absolutely won the right to represent Sweden at Eurovision. That is what a national final is like. Some of them do different heats depending on size and budget. So just hearing that, of how Melfest works is like, cool. So you've got to write a song, you have to get into Melfest, Mm -hmm. and then you have to perform it multiple times in front of a huge nationwide audience Mm -hmm. and not mess it up or even do just okay. Yeah. You have to to bring it every single time just to get to Eurovision. And not only that, you got to make it not boring every time. Yeah. You know, we, you got to, Perform this song many, many times. People know this song. It's not like a debut performance. Yeah, it's you like, can't just do the same thing every time you perform it. Otherwise, boring. <laughs> not for some people. The vocal quality is one thing. Staging, like the, every performance is really a show. Yes. Like the best artists in Eurovision sing well and they are telling a story with the visual art surrounding them as they sing this song. That's right. But originally it was conceptualized as a song contest, meaning the lyrics of the song were also held into high account as well. So now it's a conglomeration of these three elements, vocal ability, lyrical prowess, and stage stage. presentation. Absolutely. So that's how a national final works, but not every country does it that way, right? Internal selections are are another approach you can take. So you're saying some countries just pick, they get a big pile of demo tapes. They announce, they, we are accepting selections, send your song, we'll let you know if you're going. And then some guy in, in a room listens to all of them and goes, I like this one, and that's it? No, that's not, that was, that's one way to look at it. Okay. I personally prefer a national final, but these are nations that try very hard. They get right. the best musical minds in their country to weigh okay. in on these all issues. Right. You know, the public vote in a national final is one thing, but to collect a bunch of people who want to represent their country. So we're talking like music producers, mm-hmm. maybe other artists. Maybe, uh, former yeah. Eurovision former winners. Former Eurovision, okay. Former Eurovision uh, competitors, yeah. So it's not just the guy taking the top CD off the stack and being like, I guess they're fine, <laughs> right? No. There, there is a, They're actually listening to them. Real music they really, And also they want the song to win. Absolutely, yeah. they okay. want to win. All right. Again, I'd have to look at how everything went down, but I don't believe there's one model that works better than the other in terms oh, of like victory. whether Yeah, know? it's like what's the record of countries that have a national file and or mm-hmm. That's something I, I should that. look into, honestly. I, 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 I'd, and, I'd and like to break down. I was and like, I, will. Will. I know the next time we talk, you're going to be like, so I checked it out. I, checked and- it out. <laughs> I ran the numbers on this one. I, there are songs that I love that were national finals uh, winners. There are songs I love that were internal selections. It's True. Both ways work. Mm-hmm. And I will say the benefit of a national final is even if the song does doesn't win. I'm discovering a bunch of songs That's true. that I really like. True. There are some songs that I have regularly on my rotation. I, I, I have a playlist on my Spotify account called Not Good Enough for Eurovision, <laughs> but Good Enough <laughs> for Me. Oh, and that is where all the national final non-winners go. Oh, that's all right. what we want. We'll, we'll post a link to that playlist. We okay. very well will. Okay, so but- let's say, Jeremy, you want to compete in the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. You're from Sweden. It just so happens, theoretically. Okay. Yes. You make it. You win the festival. Yay! Yes, You're yes. a national finalist. You've arrived at Eurovision. I'm already sort of a national hero in Sweden. Yes. yes. I've, won, I've yes. won Melfest. You've won Melfest. That's Everyone's a big rooting deal. for you. Yeah. 
you make it to the semifinals. Now, my question for you. Okay. How does one, after making it to the finals of the Eurovision Song Contest, actually win the Eurovision Song Contest? I think this is something that people new to Eurovision are going to be a little intimidated by on first blush, but we're going to run through the whole thing for you. The voting in Eurovision has two stages. The first stage is the jury vote, which is to say the countries themselves decide internally which songs did we like as a country. Right. And the jury is consisted of, like Dimitri said, musical professionals. Right. Yeah. People, producers, producers, artists. Honestly, people who have had some connection with Eurovision tend to be in there. It's a, it's a real who's who of your mm-hmm. nation's finest musical minds. That's right. So they, there's a process where we go alphabetically through countries and they. And it's all the countries, baby. It's. Even the ones that didn't make it to the final. Truthfully, vote. if you were at a Eurovision party and you were looking for a time to run to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's your bathroom. The jury vote. Uh, is the best possible. I wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, because whoa. some eat, I wouldn't say it's necessarily alphabetical. Well, that doesn't matter. But the, okay. sometimes the people who announce the jury votes are Eurovision okay. luminaries that I have not seen in years. Okay, this is an yeah. excellent point. Heroes uh, that I have beloved, or even just, and I've only watched a handful of Eurovisions. But even I, during the jury vote, have seen people where I'm like, "Oh, it's the guy from last yeah. year or two years ago," and it's like it is fun sometimes to see who. The, each country picks to deliver their jury vote. That's true. And sometimes it's a wackadoo moment. That's yeah. right. Uh, now, Oscar, what is the best result you could get from a jury vote? The best result you can get is 12 points or 12 points. 12 points. Very fit. Maybe you should be wearing the French scarf. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. <laughs> I took high school French. We just lost everyone in France. <laughs> <laughs> and probably everyone in Quebec, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. So 12 points, also known as 12 points from the French, that's the most points you can get from a country. That's right. And if you get a bunch of those, during the jury vote, you're looking good. Looking you're good. off to the races. It's like, okay, this might be really happening. But you can also get 10 points. Yes. That's v- that, pretty that, valuable that, as well. The, that's the second place. Yeah, for 12, 10. You can get points ranking from 1 point to 12 points, excluding 9 and 11. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like, I get they want, if they have 10 and they want 12 to be like the big one, you're like, okay, but then but why no 9? Why no 9? Why no 9? Why no 11? What? What happened? What? The, the, I get. The tinfoil is especially sparkly on your hat, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> it doesn't make 100% sense, but yeah, it's 12, 10, 8, and then 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. That's right, yes. So they get to distribute those however they like, however their country feels. Except- you can't vote, vote for, for yourself. Your own country, right? Because that sort of makes sense, I think. Yes. Because everyone would just vote for themselves. Everyone would just be like, or they'd be like, 10 points, and then 12 points in another country. We're not horrible. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just easier. You can't vote for yourself. You have to vote for other countries. That ensures we're Which, spreading fair. these points around. Yep. Fair, very fair. Yes. So that's part one. You're right. And so then at the end of jury voting, you sort of have your 26 acts. You see where people are. There's some acts at that point that are probably out of it. Yeah, but maybe there's a lot that can happen in the second part of the voting, and that's called the public vote. The public vote. What I mean? What that mean? <laughs> well, that mean? basically, what I mean? Basically, every person who chooses to vote, you can vote for by joining the app or voting on the website, and every nation or 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 or, or by phone. Oh, what? <laughs> That's what I meant by the what app. Did, I'm sorry, is this, is this phone to you? <laughs> this I'm, is remote control to me. No, I'm doing I'm doing handset. Oh, you're right. Then, you can I'm uh, sorry. Okay. This you is can, phone for me. You but can, like you can vote by phone, you can vote by app, or you can vote on the website. Well, I'm saying like, you know, 20 years ago, there was no That's right, there, there was, was no, no app. app. You had voting. to call in. You had to call, you know, as Americans may be familiar with a little show called American Idol. <laughs> huh? Huh? What was that? You had to call you in. You can call in. And that's historically been how, how that, it goes. You're right. I'm sorry. You're, you're absolutely correct. Got one over on old Professor Pompey <laughs> over there. You're the new professor. That's me. I, I cede the prof- professorial hat to you. <laughs> it's very heavy. So the audience votes are also awarded by country, but it's based on the audience vote in the country. So take Sweden. All the voters in Sweden would have their votes added up, and the most popular song among the Swedish people would get Sweden's 12 audience votes. The second most popular would get Sweden's 10. The third would get Sweden's 8. And it continues down until the 10th most popular song, which gets one vote. If a song is below the top 10, gets no votes. Right, just like in jury voting. Absolutely, same thing. Then they announce these audience scores starting from the bottom of the jury table. All the countries are added together, 
and then we announce how many votes they got from the public. It could literally be hundreds of votes, hundreds of points, if a song is an audience favorite among all the different countries. So if all 30-some-odd countries in Eurovision that year liked your song, you could be seeing a lot of points. You could get a stack of points. You could be middle of the pack, bottom of the pack. You could get the audience votes, and that could take you straight to the top. Ooh, drama. And so that standing after the jury vote that you see is not how it's going to end up. It's not the end. You're going to see some big changes. Because typically, the jury and the public have very different opinions about which songs deserve points. Mm -hmm. So a song after the jury vote might be in the middle of the pack. Then it gets a surge of points from the public vote, and it's suddenly on top. Oh, it's suddenly number one. Yeah. It's a big deal. But, of course, they have to hope that the, you know, high jury vote getters don't get a lot of public vote. It's, It's a very fun way to do it. It's great. Inversely, you know, there's a lot of songs that the jury loves that the public is like, it's fine, I guess. And that's quite an upset, too. It it, it is the thrill of a very close game in any sport that you like. Yes. we're, we're, We're at the end of the fourth quarter. We're down a touchdown. Someone threw a Hail Mary and we're suddenly back in the game with 30 seconds left. Yeah. That kind of passion. And I've seen people, namely myself, flip tables. <laughs> oh my gosh. Flip tables wow. because a song I loved got no love from the public. It, I will say. Name, names, name, names. <laughs> that will come another day. <laughs> well, the most embarrassing thing is no jury vote and no public vote. But truthfully, if that's happening, your song is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's give a, a a contemporary example. Yeah, please. I absolutely loved the German song in the 2023 contest. <gasps> Blood, Blood and, glitter. and Glitter. Blood and Glitter was a good song. Glitter is one of the greatest songs that Germany has ever. Also, to Oscar's point, the staging. Amazing. Very cool. Very cool. And also, those men are lovely. They're actually very kind people. They seem like nice guys. Yeah, they seem like lovely fellows. I thought for sure that blood and glitter. The public vote's going to come in. It's going to boost them up. The jury vote is a three. Yeah, which is not a lot. It's It's not a lot. Quite low. Now, keep in mind, the top jury score is right in the hundreds, like 300, 200, something like that. Three is sort of communicating the jury is not on your side. Jury did not feel it. Yeah. Now, I've seen it happen innumerable times. Yeah. The jury let me down, but the people, the people. They're going to come through with hundreds of points for blood and glitter. This is going to be great. And the people gave blood and glitter 15 points, which turned out to be dead last. Ah, mm-hmm. come on. Criminal. It's ridiculous. I love that song. Robbed. So Robbed. Yeah. But that's what got me hot. That's what got me I, furious. And truly, I can guarantee, even if it's your very first time watching Eurovision, there will be some decision from the jury or the public vote where you will go, what? Absolutely. <laughs> and you, Absolutely. you'll be like, Am I watching a different content? Like, what did they see? It makes no sense. I mean, it speaks to the universal truth of music being subjective. Yes. yes. There is not a, a definitive, like, this is good. How do you define good? How do you define bad? I, I, I mean, think you define we good. Can. We, can. we can. We can. We can. Yes. And we can and we will. Probably <laughs> we will. Trust me, we will. But, you know, different people have different tastes, you know? But sometimes you are astounded at the lack of taste <laughs> of some voters. <laughs> It, it's just it's very surprising sometimes. True. Very so true. now here's an interesting wrinkle. We've talked about the voting. You can do it phone, do the app. Are Americans allowed to vote? Now, of course, back in the day, I used to. Uh, should I be saying this on the internet? You're, you're going to get yourself burned for this. I may or may not have found ways to get my hands on a foreign number so that I could vote in the contest because I always wanted to vote. <laughs> the face Oscars. <laughs> I wanted to vote. I love the contest. Like, what does that mean to me? Actually, I, I will not it's incriminate it's yourself. Yeah, we're getting in trouble. But Dimitri, my original question stands: Are Americans allowed to vote in Eurovision? As of 2023, everyone in the world is allowed to vote in the Eurovision Song Contest. So you're saying if I watch the Eurovision Song Contest here, I am allowed to vote for my favorite? You absolutely are. You can. Fantastic. Gotta get that app, though. Gotta get that app. You have to use the app. Typically, American viewers can watch the contest on Peacock. That is the partner for America. 
So we got an easy way to stream the contest on Peacock. We got the app. We can then vote on the you contest. Can vote. And if you're not a participating nation in Eurovision, your vote is pooled in what is called the rest of the world vote. Great. And I'll the, take it. The rest of the world counts as one country. <laughs> okay. So your vote counts as much as a Mexican vote or a Korean vote or, right. a, or anyone who's not participating in that space. We represent the country of et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, well, but that's great. That means I can be a part of the song contest as that's well. Right. In fact, Peacock still has the 2023 contest. You the don't semifinals say. and final available I, for you to watch. I could watch the whole thing right now. You, you very say? well could, and you could you could rank everything you like and be disappointed when you don't get your way. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> now this is this is actually a great question. So if I'm going to go back and watch the 2023 Eurovision on Peacock. How do I know what country to root? There's no U.S. There's in no the song US. contest. There is no. Should I root for the U.K.? Should I root for... That's what I love most about this contest. Even people who are in the, the contest may or may not think their song is the best song that year. Of mm. course, patriotic loyalty is one thing. But as Americans, we are so free. You can choose the song that you love the best, that means the most to you, that you found the most fun. You latch on to a team and you hang on for dear life. It's like when you go to a different country or you try a sport where your team, your home city doesn't have a representative. Right. You know, it's like what what draws you to Manchester United if you didn't grow up there? Right. It's, it can be anything you, you want. How do you pick that team? What, truthfully, the answer is whatever you want. But I will say, <laughs> I'll say this. When you watch the final, you're going to know. You'll know. Yeah. You, you'll, your loyalty will be found well, out immediately. Some, some songs you will be like, I am not rooting. <laughs> but some songs you would be like, this is obviously the best song. Mm. Anyone who doesn't think this is the best song is wrong. Mm. And then you're going to get your heart <laughs> Or you'll get lucky and your song will win. win. You know, Tattoo! It's, I'm going to scream. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like how I always tell people there is a comic book for everyone. Even if you That's don't true. like oh, comics. No. People who I, know, who I know despise comic books, I found love, love, love. Uh, what is that really good super? So, uh, uh, oh, All Star Superman. All Star Superman. All-Star Superman. It's People incredible. who hate Superman, I give them All Star Superman's. Like you, they they love it instantaneously. I would also recommend Secret Identity. I used to be a editor for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would also recommend Secret Identity as an excellent, an excellent entry Superman comic that I think is a little more grounded and pretty Absolutely. good. There cool. is there is a Eurovision song for everybody. I agree. With Absolutely, that. I agree. I, agree. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Read if you're it. a rocker, there's rock songs. If you're a pop person, there's always amazing pop songs. Truly, you will find a Eurovision song yeah. in your style. Here's the thing, too. As Americans or people not part of the EU, your bias can change every year. That's right. <laughs> yes, so that's you don't right. have to, like, you know, I love Sweden. Sweden's a great country, but there's some Swedish entries that I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> I'm not team Sweden anymore. I'm team Australia, you know? So, like, that's a cool thing. You start, like, judging the best song, yeah? The, the cool thing is that your your shipdom can change every year. Yeah, you know? and it's kind of fun. You know, you feel a little bit like, uh, show me your wares, uh, peddlers. Exactly. You know, it's like, uh, what me? What tunes have you for uh, this year? I, it's only I'd like to discuss very briefly. Okay, like, okay. What, what do you see, and what what do you like to see? In your oh, that's song? a good question. I'll, I'll start because I think it's a great idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love an ethnic folk banger mm. that has something to say. Let's look at Czechia from 2023, this most recent contest. Sure, yeah. It is a song calling for Slavic unity with an ethno-bop pulse that I can't get out of my head. It has so much to say, given that, you know, there's a land war in Europe for the first time in God knows how long. Slavic unity seems to be an issue that the artists deemed to be was that they deemed important to get out there. Yeah, they did it a really fun, inventive way. And it was a great song. This brings up a great subject. We'll we'll get back to your question in, in just a second. But how many of these songs are in English? Great question. The language rules have changed so much. It's we'll recount them in future episodes. Currently. 
you can sing in any language you want. Wonderful. Now, of course, you have to qualify for Eurovision. And let's take the Italian national final, San Remo. There is no way, no way. An English language song. That will never win San Remo. I'm sure it has, and someone's going to correct me, but it's very unlikely, let's say, that a song that is not in Italian will win San Remo. And to all my Americans, you have heard an Italian Eurovision winner recently. You absolutely have. If you are familiar with the band Maniskin, mm-hmm. they are the Italian Eurovision winner with their excellent song. That's a great song. ZTA Buoni. There you go. They've so crossed like, over. They've crossed over. Now mm-hmm. they're just a regular music act. So yeah. yes, uh, any language that is that you want, your country will let you know whether or not that language is <laughs> sure, deemed acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. Sweden, despite the fact that you know it, they have their own national language, they send a lot of English language songs. They really yeah. do. If I sat here and thought about it in the time we don't have, I could probably think the last time I sent a song in Swedish, but they sing English songs and they, they do pretty well. A lot of countries do sing in English, but a lot of countries sing in their own languages. And it's cool to hear a song. I love it. There are many, many Eurovision songs that I have on my Eurovision favorites playlist that are not in English, and it's not a problem. No, <laughs> it's not. The best kind of Eurovision song is a song that you know the story regardless of what. Yeah, the I don't need is. to hear. I don't need to read the lyrics. No, the, I get it. The, the performer's passion tells you the full story. Now, a good example of this is one of my favorites from 2023 is Cha Cha Cha. Yeah, Finnish song. <laughs> And a lot of it is in, I mean, the whole song is in Finnish. Well, he says pina colada. Yeah, I guess. So he does say the phrase pina colada, which in Finnish translates to, I believe, pina colada. Wow, you're really good at Finnish. Yeah, pretty good. I looked up the lyrics later, but even by the time I looked at the lyrics, I'm like, okay, he's having a, a rough time. He drinks a pina colada. And then, oh my gosh, he breaks free. Life is full of vibrancy and excitement. And then things go get a little down again so maybe he has to drink another pina colada and that is largely <laughs> i believe the actual That's pretty much it focus of the song but that was such a great song because it just never did what i thought it was going to do as a pop song you start listening to it, you're like oh, okay i kind of know what this is and then it has a breakdown where you're like this is like a k-pop song this is so weird <laughs> That's always been my kind of favorite uh, Eurovision song where it's like they have a lot of conventional pop songs and many of them are very good. But the ones that really surprise you and are like, what is happening in this song? <laughs> Takes you on a ride. Yeah. And I think that's so fun. It's like a lot of the radio, pop radio, especially now, has become very kind of samey. Mm. You know, you get songs that have the same kind of build and you're like, yeah, I mean, I've heard it. And then all of a sudden you hear some of these Eurovision songs and you're like, this is so weird. It's like they're doing things that was like, you probably shouldn't be able to do this in a pop song, but it works. Those are my favorites. How about you, Oscar? Oscar. Well, aside from Lorene's perfect rendition of Tattoo. <laughs> I'm going um, to uh, jump out the window. <laughs> my favorite thing is, listen, I'm the performance expert here. Listen, That's true. I've been performing forever. I used to be a professional dancer. I'm all about stage pizzazz. And I'm also gay as hell. <laughs> so, you know, Eurovision is the gay Olympics, as a matter of fact. And to me, the entry that really ticked all the boxes for me was Belgium's pick in this last year. I did love that song. Gustav. um, It was a 90s house banger, which as a queer person, it's in your gay and A that like you're already (laughs) sort of like, okay, I'm moving and I don't know why. It had a positive message. The lyrics were great. And the performance was simple but effective. But effective, yeah. And there was so much heart and love. Truly what you were saying about like the heart of Eurovision, it, it really had it in spades. To me, that was my favorite of this last year. I'll tell you, I love Gustav as a person. He's been around the contest mm-hmm. as a background singer for a lot. I wasn't like super down with the song until the voguing started happening. Oh my god! And I was like, "All right, this Incredible. is great. I've changed yeah. my mind." Yeah, I, that was a song where I like I hadn't heard it before the final, and I'm watching the final. I was like, "Okay, this is fun. This is great. It's got a real '90s feel." Mm-hmm. And then for me, what really kicked Gustav over the top was when he performed at the final. There's some high notes in that song. Yeah. And he just crushes it. it. He's an amazing And you're like, 
Yes, Gustav. Yes, I'm also, in. Yeah, the fact that he's looking like the gayest version of the man in the yellow hat <laughs> also adds to the performance yes, element of it. it you know, I, I, so. I was gonna say boy George, but you you yeah. took it to it. <laughs> you took it to a place. He's kind of like man George. You know, man, he's man, a little older. Right. You know, right. and it's he's like, a man now. Yeah, he's a man now. He's a man now. You know, I just want to throw out the Belgians had a national final to select their person for 2023. And Gustav was projected to come in last. Yes. Well, Gustav won his national final by one point. One. No one expected Gustav to do well. But Dimitri, tell me, out of 25 entries in the final, how did old Gustav do? Gustav came in seventh place. Pretty yeah! darn good. Absolutely. And we all know seven is a magical number in Eurovision. That's so. right. That's right. And obviously, countries can't win Eurovision every single year. So what is considered a good result in Eurovision? You know, we have a tradition in the Eurovision. When the points are broken down, the nations are divided in two columns based on how many points you have and how many points you end up with by the end. Mm -hmm. There's a cool Eurovision speak that you can now use Ooh, among your okay. Eurovision yeah, friends. Throw it out there. You can say, I'm really glad that Belgium left-sided this year mm -hmm. because the top 13 are Make on the, the left side, side of the board. That's the, what you want. Everyone wants to left side. Obviously, everyone wants to win. Sure. But, right. but if you can't win. Being on the left let's side, get on that left 13 side. and above, or yeah, yeah, that's the where that's where you want to be. Basically, if you're in that top 50, you're kind of in the top 10. Yeah. And it's regarded like, you didn't blow it. Exactly. You're not at the bottom of the right side, which is like, rough. The fact that thir like, 13th is very respectful. 12th well, sure. is absolutely. respectful. 11th is a great place to be. If you're in that top 10, your nation holds you up as a hero. Yeah. In 2022, the Norwegian representative, Subwoofer. Huge fan. Subwoofer. Oh, yes. Huge fan. I, I, I can't remember their position off the top of my head. I want to say they came in ninth. They, it was top 10. They were top 10. They came back to a military parade in their honor playing their Eurovision song. Which is? Give that Give wolf, that wolf a, banana. a banana. Give that wolf. Give that wolf. <laughs> Honestly, that was my first Eurovision, and that was the song where I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm in. Okay. I don't know how long this thing is. I'm watching all of it. Mm. What is this? <laughs> well, we should talk about Subwoofer in a future episode. In, in a future There's episode, a very good will. story about them and their mm. whole Eurovision experience. So we've talked about how the voting works, where you can watch it, why you should watch it. But maybe we could go a little bit deeper on that. Why isn't Eurovision just another song competition like American Idol or The Voice or any of those? Why is Eurovision better than those? Well, number one, it came first. It did come <laughs> first. It's about 40 years older than both of those. So, That's right. Okay, wow. so yeah. there's that. But beyond that. I mean, I, I think for me, these shows are particularly geared for singing competition shows. Eurovision is not a singing contest. The best singer does not win. Actually, there's some bad singers who've won in the past. <laughs> it's a so, song contest, right? These are all songs that debut in the Eurovision Song Contest, and you're hearing them. You become fans of it. You learn to hate them, you know? Um, in American Idol, The Voice, all of those song competitions are songs that you've heard before, it's and covers, it's their yeah. covers like, of it. Eh. So it's sort of like, okay. But it's always about, like, the singer. There's elements, again, the elements of those shows are missing in the song contest. There's the performance ability, there's the star power, the uniqueness of that song being debuted and featured in that competition show. Absolutely. That's different from like a regular, degular American Idol. Or a degular American Idol. <laughs> yeah. I, but I completely agree with you. American Idol, The Voice, these are covers and, they're, and it's there to be like, how good of a singer is this person? Yes. But the Eurovision Song Contest is how amazing can we make the performance of this song this right. new song mm -hmm. and every year you get 25 brand new songs in the final if you're we're doing the semis it's more like 40 new songs and if we're doing the regional competitions we're this is potentially hundreds of songs mm -hmm. and to think that one of those songs is going to be the best out of all of those that's just cool i don't not know only, it's like yes not only that i think like with american idol there's your kelly clarkson your carrie underwoods it's very individualistic yeah. right However, with Eurovision, it's the country, yeah, it's the nation. Yeah. It, feels, it feels honestly closer to the Hunger Games than anything else. You know? <laughs> it's like a nice Hunger Games. It's like a nice Hunger Games. Is that Games. a better metaphor? I think so. It's like a nice Hunger Games. What really keeps me coming back to Eurovision, what makes it different from anyone else, is like there is so much heart. There are so many true moments of human beauty on the Eurovision stage 
that honestly make me tear up to this day. I remember one of the big ones. I've seen every single one. I mean, I have every Eurovision saved in a fireproof safe and a hard <laughs> and drive. And that's a brag. Um, <laughs> there is a moment in 1982 where Israel gives Germany 12 points because Germany sings a beautiful song about peace. It's not an apology, but it might as well be. And it's just... You can see that no matter what has gone on between us as a people, there's a moment of healing there. There's a moment of reconciliation. There's a greater understanding of our of our collective humanity that you can't get that in any other con any other. Contest. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to see that moment in American Idol. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I remember 2021 Russian woman. Oh my goodness. Russian woman, this woman is singing this song about the strength of the Russian woman in a patriarchal fascist society. And the song is good. The song is good. But then the song gets great yeah. because the performer Manisha turns around and on the screen behind her, I want to say something like dozens of political prisoners and activists from Russia, some recording from house arrest are singing the chorus of the song with her, and she just falls to her knees in awe of these people who are risking their lives to get their message Now, out. I need to also point out that the, one of the rules that Eurovision Song Contest has is that no song can be political in nature. That's right. Yes? That's a rule we like to dance with. Okay, so a song can't be overtly political. Are there any other rules on what my song can or can't be? Well, okay, it can't be more than three minutes. And it can't have more than six people. That's right. Six people on stage maximum. That's fair. Also, if you can't write a three-minute pop song... Then what are you doing? You gotta hang up your hat. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's the magic of the, the song contest. The fact that despite there being a rule that it, it can't be political, it's the loopholes that people find. There's ways to sort of step around yeah. that rule. And, and not only is it like blatantly political, mm -hmm. but has actually, maybe we might talk about this in the future, but has been the anthem of a political <laughs> uprising in Portugal. Oh, yes. You we'll, know? we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. Are you, mm -hmm. like, I hope everyone is hearing this. We're talking about a song contest where a woman got dozens of dissidents from Russia to be part of her performance of this song on European-wide yep. television. For fun? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but, like, it's amazing. You're not going to get this from any other right. song. Like, there's so much history. There's so much depth. There's so much everything to Eurovision. And let's not forget fun. It's there's all, so much It's fun. also frequently fun. the stupidest thing you've ever seen in your <laughs> But life. I think it's also, like, the big question here is, like, what is music? What is the power mm. of music? Mm. You know, what are the songs that we listen to as American consumers, right? Do we listen to a song with a good beat? Do we listen to a song that has nice lyrics, right? The cool thing about the Eurovision Song Contest, it's that it's all of the above. Yeah. You know, it, oh, it does have a cool anything. beat, but it's also about reunification of these two countries. Yeah. And you're like, that's cool that or they could do that. sometimes it's about drinking pina colada <laughs> and being a cuckoo head. Yeah. Right? Like, that still affects you in a very visceral way, yeah. you know? Ultimately, I think that's what music and this song contest does. Mm -hmm. And it I, moves I, you. I really think that anyone who does go into it with an open heart and an open mind will find that same conclusion. I agree. You will, you will love this as much as we do. And trust me, listen, and if you hate it, if you're like, <laughs> I, I like certain aspects, but I hate it. Talk to us, baby. Oh, yes. please. Oh, oh because there's nothing better than that about... discourse and that argument, <laughs> Ooh, look, right? You can tell at some point Oscar and I could get into a fist <laughs> fight, and it's going to be fun. It will be the most uh, benevolent fist true, fight true, in true. history. Sure, yeah. Well, Dimitri will write a song, How I'm Wrong, and I will write a counter song about how he's wrong. <laughs> Your vision we'll have our own vision, yeah. There was a time, you know, when I first discovered the contest that I kept it to myself. I didn't tell mm -hmm. anyone. I didn't share it with people. You know, I was afraid they would make fun of me or they'd make fun of it. It meant a lot to me. When I started to share Eurovision with people, my enjoyment of it increased exponentially. The first time I had you over, like, I typically watched it by myself around that point. Mm. But when I watched with you and just watching you have fun and watching Diana have fun, I was like, why haven't I been doing this before? This is the way it's supposed to be watched. Yeah, for reference, the first time I experienced Eurovision was two years ago. And now I'm on a Eurovision podcast. <laughs> Doesn't take long, is what I'll say. Doesn't take long. I hope we've made the case for why you should watch Eurovision. But this podcast is coming out now because the ride is about to start. We're about to get into the season of all these regional finals, which means there's going to be dozens of songs to listen to and talk about and debate which one should go to the Eurovision final, the Eurovision final semis and the grand final is coming in may 
it's all about to start. And if you listen to this now, you can get on board with us for all the fun. But we also understand that maybe you can't currently talk nine of your friends into watching Eurovision with you. So it might just be you, but that's okay. You can come to our Eurovision party. We're going to be having it every week until the final. So if you're getting into Eurovision, we're here for you. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. We're going to tell you. <laughs> we're definitely going to tell you what we like and what we don't like. So come be part of our party. We are the three Eurovangelists, but we are here to make you a Eurovangelist. We want you to tell your friends to have a Eurovision party, get people over, get them into it. It only increases the joy that you'll have, that we'll all have, by listening to these Eurovision songs and talking about them. You know, Listen, you've done the hardest part of becoming a Eurovangelist, which is listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it only gets better from here. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Let's have fun. This has been Eurovangelist, your guide to the Eurovision Song Contest. Your hosts have been myself, Jeremy Bent, Oscar Montoya, and Dimitri Pompey. Our theme was arranged and recorded by Cody McCory and Faye Fatum. The Eurovangelist logo was designed by Tom Deha. Production support for this show was provided by the Maximum Fun Network, in particular Stacey Molsky and Laura Swisher. We call her the Swish. Audio mixing help was courtesy of the sound wizard himself, Shane O'Connell. And you can find us on social media as at Eurovangelist on Twitter and Instagram, or send us an email at Eurovangelist at gmail.com. Also follow the Eurovangelist account on Spotify and check out our playlists of Eurovision hits, competitors in upcoming national finals, and companion playlists to every single episode, including this one, to hear all the songs we talked about. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eurovangelist.